I show those pictures to somebody else. By the way, one of you were kind enough to send them to me, and I thought it was worth sharing with you. And um, I asked one of you to, uh, in one word, to define his reaction to these pictures. And he thought for a while, and then he said, well, they're quite peculiar, or peculiar, yes? And that gave me the title for today's sermon. <laughs> the challenge of the peculiar. Is this working? Yes, peculiar. Uh, you don't find that animal very often. It's a combination of circumstances as the pictures that we use to introduce, uh, to wish you a very happy and blessed uh, new year. There is a verse that I heard when I was a child and I heard many times in my youth years and I always wonder, I always wonder about that text. I like it and I didn't like it, to be honest with you. It goes like this. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify us for himself. I like that very much. But the thing that I questioned, the word that I questioned was a peculiar people eager to, to do what is good. A peculiar people. And I always wonder about that term, peculiar people. I have been in places where people have taken that very literally. And they walk in the town and city and there they look peculiar. And uh, I wonder about that kind of interpretation, that, that kind of peculiarity. That is not the only text. There are two in the New Testament and one in the Old Testament. The other one is in Peter. And a few years ago, it was quite popular among teenagers. <laughs> I don't think that it is today. But a few years ago, it was. And you could even see them wearing T-shirts, peculiar. <laughs> and the text in First Peter 2. And it goes like this. And obviously, all these verses are from the King James Version. And I will try to pronounce it close to what it should be. B.G.R. Chosen. Generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. A peculiar people. These are literal translations from the Old Testament in the book of Exodus chapter 15, chapter 19, verse 5. And it goes like this. If ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me and above all people, for all the earth is mine. So the question is this what does it mean peculiar? What does it mean? It means that I have to act and dress in a certain way so I can look peculiar. Or there is a deeper meaning than that. And something that grabbed my attention is that in all new Bibles, you don't find the term. You don't. And you find the right term, the right interpretation. Peculiar, I went to the dictionary. <laughs> and nine of the things, the interpretations that I read there, I like none of them. It goes like this. Odd, strange, weird, unusual, Irregular, abnormal, atypical, eccentric. How do you like to be peculiar? <laughs> and sometimes you find people like that. Uh, I remember one case, specifically one case, that loved to be peculiar, okay? And 
And you wonder, you wonder if everything is okay. <laughs> you wonder that, right. What is the biblical interpretation of the term? And why is prevalent, why is relevant to us today? Well, I find in the Old Testament that the term is translated or it means something very simple and is property, property. And the interpretation in the Old Testament in that one and only verse is this. Uh, portrays Israel and prophetically speaking, it portrays the spiritual Israel. That means you and I as prized possession belonging exclusively to whom? Wow, that is different. That is quite different. And it shows the, how the language evolves, how it changes, and how some 100 years ago, peculiar was very appropriate. It was very appropriate. But today, it means something else. It identifies you and me as a prized possession. Last Sabbath, we had a communion. And I quote from the book, The Desire of Ages, a very short statement that goes like this, that Jesus and the disciples, they oftentimes, they have conversations, particularly after supper or as part of supper or dinner. And they consider the seasons of calm joy highly prized by them all. Highly prized by them all. All seasons of calm joy. Well, we, we are called to be seasons of calm joy to God and to each other. In the New Testament, the interpretation is similar, and yet there is a variance. And it goes like this. There are two words. There are two verses that use the word, and there are two different words that Paul uses. In one case, and Peter uses in the other one. For Peter, peculiar is personal possession. We are God's personal possession. And Paul uses chosen people, special people. I like both. I like both. But neither in the Old Testament nor in the New Testament you find that we are called to be eccentric. Eccentric. And that for me is very Comforting, very comforting. Okay. Some of us, per se, could be a little bit special, but we are not spiritually called to be peculiar. Okay? Well, how does the Bible, the different translations, translate this term in Titus chapter 2, verse 14? In the New King James Version, this is still a King James Version, but the new one, it says, His own special people. We are God's special people. In the NIV, which is my favorite one, is a people that are his very own. We belong to him. We are his very own. In the message, which is not a literal translation, uh, it's a, very, it's a magnificent, magnificent devotional Bible, it goes like this, a people he can be proud of. Sometimes we use that 
statement, that expression when it comes to our children. Oh, you have children that you can be proud of. And that's how the um, writer of the message wrote about us to God. And then the New Jerusalem Bible, which is a magnificent Catholic translation. I love that Bible. It goes, a people to be his very own. His very own. And then another one. Uh, Max Lucado. This is probably my favorite translation in this verse. It goes, people who belong only to him. There is no wavering. There is no wavering. We belong only to God. Don't you love it? I think it's very, very special. And the Pew Bible, that is uh, right there in your pew, a people for his own possession. Well, I think the emphasis is quite clear. We belong to God and to God alone. And the moment that we make that decision, whether by baptism or profession of faith or whatever, we belong to Jesus Christ. Oh, what a privilege. What a privilege. Well, Let's read now the whole verse in Titus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And let's see if it makes sense, okay? I'm shortening this. I, I was planning to talk for about half an hour, but uh, I'm shortening this just to see the meat of the message today. While we wait for the blessed hope, and we use that expression taken from Titus chapter 2, verse 13, it comes from the lips of the Apostle Paul and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The blessed hope is the, is the revelation, the revelation, the second coming of Christ. And Paul says, our, the glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this is one of the few verses that specifically defines Jesus as God. Sometimes people from other, another denomination uh, said, there is not one verse in the Bible that Jesus is God. And then they use a very interesting argumentation about that. Well, this one does. Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there are some other people who see here something that the original doesn't render itself to that. And is that in the second coming, God the Father and Jesus both will come. They may, they may not, but that's not what it says right here. Right here is that Jesus is our Savior and God, and he is coming, okay? Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all weakness. Wickedness. There are two elements right here. One of them is he came to redeem us. This word has been hijacked, and suddenly... Since Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, there is a new prince in this world. Satan, devil, the old serpent, the dragon. And he demands blood. He demands blood. And the son of, Je the son of God, Jesus Christ, our God and Savior, he said, I'm willing to pay for Julio's sin. I'm willing to pay for your sins. Oh! And he dies for me, he pays the ransom. A few months ago, we celebrated the rescuing of the 33 miners in Chile. Wow, 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 wow. That was, that was beautiful. That was absolutely magnificent. 
And as uh, one of you reminded me, uh, another this pastor has something to do with the spiritual component of the whole rescuing. Um, he was named the chaplain of the 33 by their own decision. And, um, well, that was an effort made by many nations and many people, and they rescued the 33. And that was beautiful. That was beautiful. My brothers and sisters, your rescue and my rescue was done by one person, Jesus Christ. Yes, the Father gave the Son, but the one who died for you and for me is Jesus. And that takes care of all our wickedness. In communion last Sabbath, we briefly mentioned something. We were also pressed for lack of time. And, and uh, there is a moment after Jesus washed their feet and he said, Now you are clean, except one of you. You are clean. They were fighting for, pos they were fighting for position and for um, everybody wanted to be the closer to Jesus and for just for position up to a few minutes ago. And it was the act of humility and service that changed the attitude of these men. And when it comes to Peter, and Peter refuses to be, uh, his feet to be washed, and he said, you have already been, you have already had a bath. It was a tradition in those years when you were invited for a feast or whatever, you had a good bath before coming to the festivity, to the celebration. You had already bath. Baptism is the bath. And communion is the washing for the latest things that may happen to us. And Jesus was fully aware of their need. So for all wickedness, the sacrifice of Christ covers all our weakness, weaknesses, past, present, and future. But we have to accept that. We have to accept that, okay? And then, and to purify us to himself. He created us to enjoy our company. <laughs> Christmas, an opportunity to be with family. And if it's a loving family, oh, what a day that is. We have the joy of being with our children and grandkids. And yes, you finish the day with the tongue right here, but... Ah, what a day that was. Especially some of them that have so much energy and you, you, know, you don't know where they get so much energy. And, and you see grandma losing ground and losing ground and you, so you go and cover. And oh, beautiful, beautiful. What a special day with a family that you love. That's why Jesus created us to enjoy our company. And so he purifies us so we can spend eternity with him. A special people that is what? His very own. And notice how he finished that text. It goes like this. Eager to do what is good. Now, that term eager, I like that term eager. There are two words right there. One is enthusiasm, and the other one is gratitude and joy. Enthusiasm, gratitude, and joy. So that led me to the next verse. You find that concept in almost all of Paul's letters. Almost all of them. But I love the one in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. And it goes like this. It's one of my favorite verses. For you are God's workmanship. You are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. That term, good words, those two words, they mean three things. They mean that whatever he has prepared for you has 
purpose, it has a goal, and you have to go for results. And then he finished the text with these terms, that which God has prepared in advance for us to do, meaning two things. One of them, that whatever he has prepared for you and for me to do is important and is of divine origin. What a privilege. What a privilege. So the question today, and there are two questions. What is the challenge for 2011? What is the general challenge for us for this year? Uh, Wherever you are, wherever you are, what is that challenge? And I found two challenges that I want to share with you. The first one is this. Yes, it's a peculiar challenge. And the first one is this. To remind myself who I belong to and how special I am to him. And to remind ourselves when we are at home, when we are driving, when we are in our job, in the marketplace, wherever we are, alone or in the company of somebody else, in the darkness or in light. How do we remind ourselves of that? How do we remind ourselves of that? I have thought and prayed about it, and I'm going to suggest something. I'm going to suggest something. There are some individuals in this congregation that I have a tremendous respect for their spirituality. And these two or three individuals that I have in mind, and I'm sure that this is more common than two or three, have something in common. And it's interesting because they are not related, physically they are not related, but they have exactly the same practice, the same practice. It's also my practice. And it's to read a small book that I have right here. It's called Happiness Digest. It's called Steps to Christ. It has been called different ways. Peace Above the Storm, different ways. This is an incredible little book. Every single time that I read it, oh, what a blessing. And it reminds me, it reminds me who I am in the sight of God. And this is the invitation. This is the invitation. I would like to invite you to read this book between today and the last Sabbath of this month. We have three weeks. I will do it again. I encourage you to do it. Some of you may not have the book. When you leave you will receive a copy if you don't have a book. I even have 10 in Spanish, so no excuses. <laughs> no excuses. I wonder if today, today, each one of us and all of us would promise ourselves to read that little book. I can guarantee you that the reading of that book, and there is one chapter that comes to mind right now, chapter 9, that has been such a blessing to me, particularly when I face difficult times. Particularly when I face difficult times with some of you. 
And you share, you share your agonies, you share your needs, you share whatever is in your spirit, whatever you're facing. And it becomes mine. To some extent, it becomes mine. Lord, how do we deal with this situation? Sometimes, sometimes, I don't have the answers immediately. I said, why don't we pray about this? I had a conversation with somebody last week. And he said, I don't know. I don't know how to deal with that situation. Why don't we pray for one week? One week and let's see what happens. Let's see how, what the Lord has to tell, will tell you and will tell me. And then in a week we meet. I think that I already know. I think. But we are going to meet on Wednesday next week just to compare notes. What has God te- been telling you and what is he telling me? And then act on that. Act on that. This book, the reading of this little book, will help you to be aware to be mindful of the presence of God. What is the second challenge? The verse finished like this, that God has created you to be co-workers with him, to do good works. So the question is this, what is the good work that God has prepared in advance for me to do? It might be different than your work, but he has an assignment for each one of us. In each church, in each church, there are two groups of people. And I'm going to pass this slide rather fast, but because I don't like the second one. Um, <laughs> one of those who are awake and alert and willing and eager to absorb and to do and to follow and to be in the will of the Father. And the other one is, who cares? And so on and so forth, okay? You know the story. Well, let's replace that one, okay, with a nice young girl. And she is right here. She is right here. And she's wondering, Lord, what is the job that you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I don't have much education. Um, I'm fairly new in the church. I don't know what to do. But you promise that there is something for me to do. And suddenly, you see Mr. Nichols. He's leaning toward one side. But notice something interesting. Oh, notice something interesting. She's thinking, and suddenly his thoughts go to the empty place next to Mr. Nichols. And she's wondering, I wonder what happens to Mrs. Nichols. By the way, I don't know what his name is, but... uh, She used to come. She doesn't come anymore. I wonder. And she doesn't. The young girl doesn't know her very well. But for some reason, the Spirit of God leads her to Mrs. Nichols. So let me ask you a question. Who is God pointing to you? Somebody that used to attend our church and now doesn't. Can you think of somebody? Why are you so quiet? You're not even doing this. Is somebody, do you have somebody in mind? Okay, I see several. Somebody that God is placing in your heart, in your mind. You know something? That is the person that God wants you to work for. There are many different things that you can do for that individual. 
Maybe praying is the only thing that you can do. But pray with passion, with eagerness. That means enthusiasm and gratitude. Notice, enthusiasm and gratitude for what God is going to do. With joy, with anticipated joy and gratitude. Well, she, she's right here trying to find an answer to that puzzle. The Apostle Paul says something interesting. He says, we are the body of God. We are the body of God. Some of us are this. And when you lose them, you notice the difference. Okay? Somebody is the eye. Somebody is the nails. Have you ever lost your nails? And how sensitive it becomes. Sometimes we are the knees. Do you have problems with your knees? You know that how important the knees are. Each one of us, each one of us, without exception, is a member of the body of Christ. And when we miss church, when we don't participate, when we stay home or whatever, that peace is missing. And we cannot complete the puzzle. You see the point? Each one. In the book Experiencing God, there is a statement that is so true. It says, even those in the church who test your patience, they are there for a purpose. <laughs> Do you have somebody that tests your patience? <laughs> Could be a, a relative. Could be a friend. Could be somebody who wants to be your friend. Could be whoever. Okay? Very interesting. But she is thinking, oh, Lord, use me. Use me to bring back Mrs. Nichols to the church. That is my invitation for you today. The Spirit has already shown you who that person is. And I want you to do something for that person. And let me conclude with one verse and one story. To the mind of that young girl, a text found in the book of James, chapter 5. Verses 19 and 20 came to mind. Absolutely extraordinary. And this is from the NIV, today NIV. It goes like this. Dear brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone, now you know who someone is, someone should bring them back Remember this. <laughs> Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the way of error will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. How do you like that? Amen? Amen. On Sunday, normally on Sunday, I try to have the first draft of the sermon for Sabbath. And then I work the rest of the week just to work on that, uh, to make sure that it's quite decent and meets a need in the church. And on Sunday, I pray this prayer. Lord, give me an illustration to make this point. I need an illustration. And I want to repeat something. I don't want to repeat something that I already told them because it will sound that I'm aging. And so give me something fresh. And he gave me something fresh. 
And some of you will know exactly when you see the picture. Have you seen these men on TV? Ted Williams. He's with a sign in Columbus, Ohio. And the sign says, I have a God-given gift of voice. I'm an ex-radio announcer who has fallen on hard times. Please help me, and so on and so forth. And a gentleman who has seen him many times is moved, and he goes around, and he comes back and places himself in front of the men and said, said something that you would say in radio. And wow. What a voice. Have you heard, how many of you have heard him? Oh, almost the whole congregation. So you know that is true. What a voice. And he goes around and he says, come with me. So he takes him to a place. He takes a shower and gives him a good haircut. How do you like how he looks now? <laughs> <coughs> And then new clothing, and he said, I want you to come to my studio. And he makes an announcement, and everybody, oh, he is good. He is incredible. So he, is, he starts receiving offers. And then his interview in every single station that you can imagine, I got him in three. No, I don't want this right now. I want this. Okay, you know who these characters are, Meredith and Matt, and so they interview him, and the more that he exposed that he becomes, more people want to hire him, and he receives from offers from basketball and from this, and, and then a company by the name of Kraft. And he accepted that. It is the most humble offer, but he feels insecure. Says, wait a moment, I have been homeless for 10 years. This is overwhelming. This is too much. I have been in trouble with the law. I have been in trouble with drugs. I have been in trouble with alcohol, and so on and so forth. And there is a sense of insecurity. But he has been clean for two years. For two years. Two years. And then he receives this offer. He said, I'm going to do the announcement for tomorrow. I know that nobody here watches football. But if anyone does, <laughs> and, <laughs> and you hear an announcement about macaroni and cheese, he is the one who is doing it. He is the one. And yesterday, something happened. He found his mother. Well, he didn't find it. The TV station found the mother. 92-year-old Christian lady. Oh, 92, but she looks young, filled with energy. And she doesn't know what to do. She, doesn't know, she hasn't seen him in 10 years. And she wants to believe that this is for good. She wants to believe, but has doubts. So there is a dialogue between the, father, the mother and the son. And Meredith and Matt. And Meredith and that Matt, they ask the question, how do we know, text, how do we know 
that this time is for good. And then he said something that was so beautiful that gave me faith and confidence in death. And he said something like he quote from Proverbs. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path what? He said two years ago, I went to a Christian place. And they taught me how to praise God. The power of praise. And when the temptation comes, I become aware who I am in God's sight. You see the point number one? I became aware. I wasn't aware. My mother many times wanted to tell me and I would say, yeah, 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 and I would leave that place. I rejected, but now my heart was ready. And I realized that God loves me. And that Jesus, in public television, you don't hear these things very often. And probably Matt and Meredith didn't know what was coming. And both are listening. Otherwise, the question would have been different. And Kay, he gave a testimony. The power of praise. The power of praise. Now I know, thanks to Jesus, who I am. I want to be faithful to him. I want him to lead the, 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 my life. And I want to exercise the power of praise. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you richly. And may the person that is in your heart now and in your mind learn through your own testimony the power of praise. The power of praise.